Hey everyone, welcome to episode 172 of the Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassana. Hello. And uh, we've got a pack this, packed week this week. We were going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm going to be bringing a chat about Heaven Dust. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about unpacking the uh, the new new Zen game. <laughs> Finding that very relaxing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Just Dance 2022. Uh, Mario Party Superstars, which came out this week. Okay, so let's just get right into some of those games. Okay, first up, we'll we'll get through Heaven Dust, because I kind of played it off the wake of the Halloween episode. So Heaven Dust is a clone of classic Resident Evil. Um, People get very upset when you're not very... uh, Sorry, when you use the terms top-down and isometric for camera angles uh, loosely, so I'm absolutely going to do that. Uh, This is kind of like a (laughs) top-down homage to the old-style Resident Evils. The developers have basically just used Resident Evil on PlayStation as their template for everything. Um, Everything from the mansion that you explore and its design, uh, with its ugly-ass green wallpaper. Uh, Everything throughout goes through the same beats of environments. You've got your mansion, you've got your hints of labs, you've got your guardhouses, you've got botanic experiments, then you get to your hyper-technical lab areas. It's particularly oh, yeah. similar in terms of the music and its ambient effects. So it's got, uh, when you get to a safe room, it's got that same, you know, chilled out vibe uh, to try and, you know, give you that uh, little boost of uh, calm after the, the stress of, of the other game. Uh, it doesn't quite gel here. We'll get into that shortly. Um, but the, the biggest uh, thing was... When you go out into the outdoor areas, it's got exactly the same sound effects as Resident Evil, down to the like cricket noise, the wind, the howling of the dogs. And it was at this point I was like, man, how have these guys not got sued yet? Um, I can only imagine that these are now like public domain sound effects, and that's why. <laughs> and so the, the core of the game is your character wakes up in the mansion and has to go around discovering a how to escape and b what's going on um you do that through puzzling which again is ripped straight from resident evil uh only here they get a lot more repetitive um you're using the same items each time like you'll find a battery and you'll reuse that same battery like three or four times throughout uh same with the crank same with other stuff um the other places where it's ripped off from Resident Evil is like there's masks which you use in the same way as you do the the emblems that you find in the original Raccoon City Mansion. Uh, the keys which are all themed around medieval things. Just focusing more on some of those comparisons. You collect green herbs to heal yourself. You mix them with red to make them triply effective. Uh, which then ties into a little bit about crafting where you collect bullet shells and you can get the gunpowder to make new ammo. Uh, and then as you get to the, towards the end boss, it's not a spoiler because he's on the box art, uh, but the end boss is totally not a cross between the Tyrant and William Birkin. Of course he is. Um, so, so that's it for all the comparisons of why it's like Resident Evil. Some of the areas where it's not, the combat 
it's there, uh, but it may as well not have been. It's really easy. You 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 tap the right bumper, and then you just press the action button to shoot. Like it's it's auto aim. There's no stress over not having enough ammo. Like I constantly had enough. Uh, and a lot of the zombies are just very easy to dodge. Um, talking to the zombies, these are aside from the emboss, that's pretty much the only enemy you encounter. Uh, original Resident Evil would throw stuff at you just as you get uncomfortable, such as the hunters, uh, some of the uh, creepier stuff in the lab. No, no enemy change-ups. So yeah, and also when you clear out an, an area, they they kind of stay dead, which is a bit like Resident Evil, but. Uh, Every so often, some will crawl through a vent or something, or surprise you from a wardrobe. It's uh, there's, there's never any tension uh, created. Like a large part of the Resident Evil tension came from, you know, struggling to have enough items from from part to part. You know, eventually, you know, if you replay it, like I can play the original, you know, automatically now. I've I've played it so many times, but you never feel in danger. One thing that is different, enemies can drop coins. You can use these in vending machines for gunpowder, health, ammo, that kind of thing. But the interesting thing here is stat increases. There'll be stuff like you'll hit more critical shots. You can increase your health. Uh, the interesting one for me was that you can run a little bit quicker because uh, the the way you start and the speed you run at is just painful and it doesn't increase you know, it doesn't improve that much even after you get this. You buy the you can run quickly certificate from the vending machine, and yeah, there's there's only the one boss, and that they're, they're not that impressive. Um, there is a story, but it's not very good or even really there. Often it's it's told through the the computer logs that you find, but it's uh, it's all stuff you've seen before and and done better in the original, to be honest. Some of my verdicts like. How long to beat had this game at uh, four or five hours? I beat it in two and a half. Um, I have a hard time recommending it unless you get it on sale. Like, there's nothing particularly broken about it. It works as designed. It works as intended. It's fine. It just kind of trudges along. I got a kick out of it purely on a, a nostalgia trip. Um, just from it hitting those same sound effects, the same music and everything. Um that is the only level I can really recommend someone actually go and pay you know full price for it is if they really just want to have that little nostalgia hit which uh yeah it's fine so yeah so that's that have either of you heard of or even played this one I have not I feel like I have but I'm not sure <laughs> the title <laughs> is familiar and a, a Resident Evil ripoff is also familiar mm-hmm past that it's not exactly uh an original concept you know copy resident evil <laughs> no so i don't uh, know the and the switch is you know blessed with lots of very good resident evil so i recommend checking those out so uh next up let's talk about mario party superstars andrew has no interest uh tori got it and it arrived for me uh, after the last recording, so we didn't cover it then. Plus, we had kind of the Halloween thing, so uh, I thought we'd save the party vibe for this this week. Um, party! Unfo- <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have much to say about it because of the way I play the series. So um, my first ever Go Mario Party was on the Switch, so that was Super Mario Party. Um, 
and that converted me but I only pull that game out once or twice a year for Christmas, for holidays, etc. Um, this is largely going to be the same, um, which means I have no interest in unlocking anything. Um, so that probably pulls out, you know, kills whatever longevity this will have. Tori will help uh, expand on that point very soon. Um, the main things I am really happy with is that there are no motion control mini games like people can play this now with a pro controller it seems sorry have you come across any motion focused games in this no not at all and it's glorious ultimately like i i can only come away with this from feeling like it's more mario party with games you know mini games from entries i haven't played before um did i did like how like i, I jumped in for a game this morning just to kind of get a you know just quick hands-on and see how it plays then it's going on the shelf until like christmas eve or something uh i i picked the first board had a play on that i i did like how it had screenshots from the original version that it appeared in from the, the n64 I, I feel like they're going for like a little walk through history with this on in, in some levels but uh yeah tori you've actually been playing the online mode yeah um I mean, realistically, that's most of where I've been playing this, actually. <laughs> um, for a Nintendo game, this is leaps and bounds ahead of any other online experience I've had with a Nintendo game. Um, it just works. Uh, when you boot the game up straight up, it asks you, you're playing offline, you're playing single player, you're playing online. And it just makes the whole experience really streamlined. Uh, you create a lobby, you invite friends or they can join on you, and you just play like normal, really. Um, nice. There's usually, like Nintendo like to do a thing where you go into an online specific section of the game where your options to customize and change options are very limited. It doesn't seem to be the case here. Everything seems to be pretty open. Certain game modes are closed off, but the game modes are designed to be played um, solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just really surprised. Like, if every Nintendo game with online did this, I would gladly pay the amount that I'm paying for Nintendo <laughs> Switch Online. It's that weird thing, like, you'd, you'd suspect that they'd want to make something like Smash work flawlessly, and that, you know, to its credit, will have a lot more going on, but then a lot of these games are a lot more frantic. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking, like, what's the catch going to be? Mm-hmm. And it, I guess it's in the mini games, but I haven't encountered any hiccups or anything. It was really smooth, so I don't know if they're using some new netcode that doesn't just stop the game and wait for the lag player to catch up. Overall, I was just really blown away with how smooth everything is. <laughs> like it's um, not right. I- <laughs> So the the other thing I spoke about was the the unlock something which uh, Super Mario Party has, you know. Like I say, it's not that sort of thing. I'm going to play through for hours at a time or anything to to unlock things. I'm just here for the board game component and and the mini games. Um, you might have a better handle on that. Any any way you can clarify anything there for me? On the unlocks, yeah. Um, 
there's nothing really to unlock. Um, one of the new features that they've introduced is uh, stickers, which are kind of like little emotion reactions that you can do in-game. Good for sarcastic um, responses. Good for sarcastic responses, and people have been having fun editing them online as well to be a bit more vulgar, which is the Mario Party way, let's be real. <laughs> um, you can unlock more stickers. That's the main thing. Um you can unlock music for a music player. You can unlock some customization options for your Mario Party card, which is like your online profile. Uh, no characters to unlock. Uh, what you see is what you get. Um, the mini games, I guess you're technically unlocking them by playing them, and then you can play them in um, Mount Mini Games, which is just a, mm -hmm. a mini game only game mode. Mm -hmm. Other than that, yeah, there's nothing to work towards, really. I played maybe three or four games total, and I had everything, all the stickers unlocked. Uh, there's an encyclopedia that just gives like a little bit of information about each game, each character, nothing in-depth. Like, if you're wanting unlocks in terms of content to use, it's just the stickers. Yeah, so not really one you can sit and just plug away at to... To yeah, fill that need not. to to unlock progression stuff. I'm more than happy with what I've played based on that fact that I'm just going to play it once a year, mainly at Christmas. <laughs> so it does what it you know exactly what I want it to. Uh, differences to the last one, obviously we mentioned the motion controls. Um, also, the character dice are gone, as Tori uh, helpfully put yeah. in the show notes for me. Um, yes, that's a good point. <laughs> It's very classic Mario Party. Mm -hmm. uh, for those that don't know, um, in the last couple Mario Party games, every character that you picked had a different character dice that might have a risk and reward element to it. Mm -hmm. Like, might be a couple of zeros in there, but there's a couple of tens. Or if it's like Mario, it's all like threes and fives. Um, that's completely gone. You can still have items where you can roll two or three dice on a single turn, but that's it. Mm -hmm. And actually, the um, items seemed a bit more interesting here than in Super Mario Party. Like, the uh, the cursed dice was a neat twist. Um, the triple dice, I don't think that was in Super Mario Party. I don't remember it. I know you could get additional dice. Um, yeah, some game modes let you collect party members, mm -hmm. and then you could use their character dice, but they mm -hmm. also rolled on your turn. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's a little different to Super Mario Party. This already feels like a much more... Uh, it feels like a better package. Like, obviously, it's it's a collection-focused party game, but yeah, I'm uh, quite happy with it. I'm, I'm looking forward to delving more over the festive period. Uh, anything else you want to add to that one, Tori? Not really. Um, it's a lot of fun if online is your only option. Mm -hmm. It's a solid Mario Party game. Um, don't buy it with the expectation that they're going to do DLC for this. I think as is out of the box, it's probably worth the money if you have people to play with. Because uh, it is primarily an online, not online, uh, multiplayer game. It's just got robust online features now, so it actually makes it worth it if you don't have people coming around often. That's Mario Party. Um uh, a double recommend, but you know I play it so so infrequently um, that you know I'm probably not a 
the right person to recommend it, but I always have a blast when I play it. Um, so let, let's keep the party vibe going. Uh, so Just Dance 2022. <laughs> Not something we've really covered before on the show, I don't think, uh, but I got a code for this, uh, and I enlisted my wife, who plays this game every year without fail, uh, to just jump in and, and have a look and see if it feels different, what's new. She said usually she can always tell the difference between the different entries, but with this one, it was so similar to last year's that she had to keep double-checking that she'd opened the right game. Um, she was worried she was reviewing last year, uh, Just Dance 2021. Other things, really, that we can mention is the, the soundtrack. So a lot of the time, music games, you know, the benefit to the player is all down to the soundtrack. Um, as a couple as we get older these track lists become less and less interesting um because young people like dumb music no that's a joke um it's just music that doesn't resonate with us anymore so i i had a look at the list myself as well um and i know very few of the modern pop songs and would have no interest in engaging with them so a couple of the highlights i picked from that track list uh, was You Can Dance by Chili Gonzalez, uh, Small Town Boy by Bronski Beat, which is like an 84 song, uh, Rocky Body by Justin Timberlake, um, Freed From Desire by Gala. Um, I only bring this one up because Liverpool fans are using it at the moment and are pro- uh, using their own lyrics for it, which is The Reds Have Got No Money, But We'll Still Win The League. Um and the last one is, you know, it's a good song, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. This is a cover by quote-unquote the sunlight shakers this is a really good song but i don't it doesn't feel like a good fit for a dance game (laughs) yeah i was like mr blue sky dancing to that that would be that would be weird your mileage is going to vary depending on how much you like the songs that are in the game um that's not to say you won't have the guitar hero effect where you end up enjoying playing songs that you would never ever choose to listen to be warned have a look through the track list see what you want to play before you jump in the visuals so they, these are always like it's always fun and stylish and colorful like it's known for having like the uh, neon colors uh, the characters like plotted out in in just bright white in this one they've changed it up a little bit apparently in some of the stages now you're you've got actual humans strutting their stuff in dance studios um some are 3d animated some even have stories as you play through play through the songs which is is kind of neat that that's not an entirely new thing i've seen that in some of the older ones but i i always like that twist you know it's it's a dance game but also hey here's a little story during one of the songs other game modes there are there's the world stage which is basically cross-platform multiplayer um where you play against other people at similar levels to you it's just a score attack i think you all play at the same time highest highest one wins uh there's exercise modes uh, where it's just focused on getting you moving to help you get a bit of fitness. Uh, and there's a kids mode, which just narrows everything down to eight routines, specifically for kids. So ultimately, like, with the track list as it is, like, my wife is going to get uh, the most out of one of the uh, extra modes, which is the unlimited mode. That's a subscription service that then gives you access to a bunch of the old songs via streaming. Um, and this has me thinking about like like the series as a whole. Like by now, the way that works, like it feels like this would be a really good fit as a live service or a subscription game. 
being able to pay, just pay and then play whatever song you want from like a, a backlog of hundreds just makes a lot of sense for this sort of game. The series is still so insanely popular that they, they've been releasing on Wii still for years uh, and it's hard to imagine a world where they give up that uh, yearly $90 buy-in anytime soon. We've got all these different video game genres trying uh, live services that, that don't really fit uh, or don't fit the mold or you know they they end up never offering anything that's worth paying the money for that you know they're just reliant on these stupid roadmaps this is the perfect scenario where a subscription service would work for me that's that's probably not going to come the only other thing to mention and this i only mentioned this for the other platforms so with the switch you can play using the joy-con the detection is pretty well has been since the switch was a thing on other consoles, like it used to use Connect, on PlayStation it would use Move. Those things no longer exist because people have common sense. Instead, you, you can play using your mobile phone. That is also true of the Switch version, if you want to. It's still, as far as I can tell, and from what I've been told, it's still a fun uh, dance experience. It's just going to live and die depending on that soundtrack. And the last game I'm going to talk about this week is, of course... Uh, the new indie darling unpacking uh andrew has beaten it tori have you tried this at all yet not yet but everyone's talking about it so i think i might <laughs> it's on it's on game pass for me because I'm, I'm playing it on game pass like i i wasn't gonna be playing it this week it was going to be something i picked up later it's on game pass so i had no excuse so i've been playing a bit of it today played around an hour um, so from my perspective, it's a point-and-click game, kind of. <laughs> but on console, uh, it's more of a a narrative game with with puzzles. It's true across both formats. I'm I'm just joking. Um, the idea of the game is that you uh, unpack people's boxes, sorry, a, a character's boxes, and you learn about the life as you pull the possessions out of the boxes, uh, and you do this every time the character moves. Because I've been playing on PC, I've been using mouse and keyboard. The mouse makes this game, like, a joy. It, it plays how you would expect. How do the controls uh, work on Switch? They work, but you can tell this game was designed with the mouse in mind. Because mm-hmm. you can put items almost anywhere. It's actually really impressive all the places you can drop something down mm-hmm. and they just, they just lock onto basically these invisible little knobs like kind of imagine it like you're just dropping a a lego piece onto a fastener this is sort of how the system works uh, but it's a lot easier to find those little latch on points using a mouse than with a joystick mm-hmm. there is pointer controls and i played using the pointer controls for a little while um but i i kept having to recenter it and i just i just got tired of my controller somehow ending up pointing in my lap. I don't know how that kept happening, <laughs> but <laughs> I just switched over to the joystick. It's just fine, fine, whatever. So yeah, as you play through the game, the character moves a bunch of times. So every time you move, you might find uh, upgraded items. So the the most obvious one of these is the game consoles. One of the earlier ones, which I've just put on the entertainment unit, was a GameCube, which. Uh, much to my uh, mirth, the developers been tweeting about because some of the young folks out there 
don't know what the hell a GameCube is. <laughs> uh, and you sort of upgrade through the, the Nintendo chain as you go along. There are a lot of recurring items that are obviously important to the character. Um, I obviously don't have the full picture of how this affects the narrative or the story, or even if it does. Like, it hits close to home about the sort of things you carry through life with you, um, which is uh, where where it's getting me at the moment. Andrew, did you want to talk about any of the, the key points in here about about the character's life? Or? No, you, you, you basically covered it. I just had more specifics, mm-hmm. but just how the, the changing objects suggest the passage of time, best represented by the computers, because you start off with, like, these massive, mm-hmm. like, tower bricks, and by the end of it she has... Uh, the character, she has multiple tablets and a flat-screen monitor and actually still a pretty large uh, computer tower, but that's because she uh, gets into graphic design and, and publishing, so she actually does need a rig like that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. And there are things that get added and removed, and they just kind of imply the changes in her life. So you have to be paying attention to what's recurring and what's disappearing. It's It's easier to notice the things that that recur but like things that disappear like her clothes change over time like a lot of when she's younger she has a lot of like branded clothes and clothes with like characters on it and as she gets older she switches over to you know fancier blouses and dresses and fancier shirts and things like that so that, mm-hmm. that was a an interesting detail to show a person aging from literally her childhood up to through adulthood and Things that recur, like the GameCube you mentioned, also the stuffed animal collection. Mm-hmm. She has this pile of stuffed animals that show up in every single level, and they get rattier over time, except when she repairs them, and I thought that was kind of a nice touch. So mm-hmm. it's really it's really worth paying attention to the things that recur to see how they've changed in addition to still being around. And there's also just this crappy chip mug that she keeps in the bathroom and you have to put it in the bathroom or the game the level will not let you finish (laughs) it belongs in the bathroom and every time it shows up it's just worse and worse and worse and i think a lot of people can identify with just having this thing that they've just had for a long time that doesn't really serve much purpose but they just they've had it forever and they just can't imagine getting rid of it and for this character it's it's that crappy chip mug (laughs) Yeah, I'm at the stage where I'm just finishing up the stage where she's uh, doing the cosplay, the Sailor Moon cosplay stuff, and a lot of anime references already around the house before you even start unpacking. Yeah, she has a a statue collection of anime characters. Um, The fact that some of these levels actually start with a bunch of stuff already done took me by surprise. I thought it was each level was going to be a do-over. So that that was pretty cool. So that that also gives you an insight as to the character's life and and where she is. Yeah, um, you said you got stuck a couple of times? Well, as I said, there's a few places where items have to be placed in certain areas, and the game doesn't tell you. You just have to keep hunting around until you find where the item goes. And this kind of clues into the ongoing story. Like, uh, at the very first level, there's a diary, and she's still... It's hard to tell how old she is exactly, but no more than a very early teenager at this point. And she has a diary, and you have to put it under her pillow. If you put it Mm -hmm. anywhere else, the level will not finish. And then later on, there's a photograph, and she has a whole bunch of other photographs, too, that all go on this corkboard above her desk. And she has this other photograph, which is of her with this 
indistinct figure. The graphics aren't detailed enough to really make out faces, but you can tell it's a photograph with her and another person in it. And I kept trying to put it on the corkboard. It does not go on the corkboard. <laughs> Just trying to figure out where it was supposed to go took me a really long time. I got the point. She had bad memories of this person, and she did not want the picture there with the rest of the stuff, but I, I just couldn't get inside this person's mind of where it actually did go because uh, it, it's an odd place where she ends up putting it so she can forget about this this relationship she had. And that uh, actually leans into another thing that I really like that unpacking does is just the way it uses some of the environments she moves into, as Andy said, are are. are pre-unpacked because she's moving in with another person who already lived there the first time it happens she's moving in you can tell kind of like with other early 20 somethings just getting started in life or maybe finishing up college so they've they've made space for her to move in she has her own room that's perfectly clean and like there's space in the kitchen they've cleaned out a couple cabinets where you can fit most of her stuff in there and you just kind of kind of wedge the rest of your stuff in wherever you can find room for it then you get to the next one, which seems to be her, some partner, um, some romantic partner. And as soon as I got into this place, I could tell this relationship was not going to go well. <laughs> because this person made no attempt to make room for the protagonist to move in. Uh, and including, I think this is the single best thing that Unpacking does. And I'm going to spoil it here because I like it so much. Uh, is this is right after she's graduated from college. So she has her college diploma in a nice little frame and everything. And there's nowhere in this apartment for this diploma to where it will fit, except for two places. The first place is above the toilet. That's the only empty spot in the apartment with a blank wall spot where you can hang it or under the bed. And you, you end up putting it under the bed for the level to finish. Uh, like that's Man. That's so... Yeah. That's so smart. Just that, so much storytelling going on there uh, just for where there's room to hang a diploma. That's that's really good stuff. That, that's like environmental storytelling in the truest sense, really. <laughs> the sound effects, we did see. The, I saw this on social media, uh, one of the developers reacting to uh, a video where someone was just slapping something around the room and all the different um, acoustics and sound effects and yeah there's a whole lot of uh, variations of the same sound here uh, for a whole bunch of different items uh, that was cool i'd never heard of the term foley sounds just out of interest foley is a uh, a filmmaking term where like they're literally creating sound effects by like banging things together or maybe uh, another popular one is actually squeezing fruit with your hands and just recording in really high quality sound the sounds that it makes. So like when they were recording the Foley sounds for unpacking, if they weren't just using stock, which I, I, I don't know which ones they were, they were probably like literally taking an object and slamming it down on a tabletop, recording the sound it makes, and then <laughs> importing it into the game. That's what Foley is. Okay, well that's really impressive then. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's a, a photo mode, so you can take a photo. You can, I think you can make gifts of uh, some of your some of your stuff as well. I haven't delved into that. There are hidden stickers. Uh, do you want to tell me what that's about? I only found a couple of them. If you put things, if you unpack certain objects onto s certain spaces, then you will unlock stickers you can use in the photo mode. Uh, I didn't feel like hunting around to find every single one, so I... 
if you want to go for 100% completion, there is something to work towards here. It's not just playing the game. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, closing thoughts. Uh, I'm an hour in. I'm very happy with it. It's very, like, even a story aside, it's just a relaxing experience. And it's kind of like one of those relaxing experiences where, like, I would find the real life version of this just, um, you know, just unbearable. Like, I would never, I hate unpacking. Um, I would never want to do it in the game form. Very satisfying. Um, and very chill. Uh, yeah, so having finished it, um, what's your verdict? Well, it's short, which has that has that going for it. I finished it in four hours, and that's always good to have just a, a game you can just go through in just an evening, just playing casually. Always a, a mark in its favor when that's the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was concerned going into it that I was going to have to force myself to finish it like every level is going to be basically the same but actually i did get pretty invested in this person's life and i wanted to see how it changed from setting to setting even though the number of times this person moves in about 20 years is actually kind of disturbing uh (laughs) i I could not handle moving that many times like my gosh just pick a place and stay there (laughs) but uh that's just me i i just had no problem just chilling through the whole game and I, I was satisfied when it ended but i would not have minded it if it went on a level or two longer so it's it's certainly not too long yeah uh not the best indie game of the year but maybe one of the best indie games to talk about because there's a lot to talk about here it's a really smart game mm-hmm. cool so yeah so that's uh unpacking and that's the episode Okay, folks, what are we playing in the coming week? Tori, we'll start with you. So, Animal Crossing New Horizons 2.0 came out recently, along with the DLC Happy Home Paradise. I've uh, been chipping away at all the new features and, and the new content, and that's been a, a lot of fun, surprisingly. So, talk more about that next week. Also, Shimagami Tensei 5 finally out. <laughs> uh, I'm picking this one up from the store because I don't trust <laughs> um, delivery this time around. <laughs> I'm so keen for this. Nice. And Andrew? Well, I'm also going to be playing SMT5 if it gets delivered. I probably should switch to uh, getting things at a store now, but it's still not fully convenient for me to do that, but maybe sometime in the future I will so I don't have to deal with the increasingly unreliable delivery, and uh, so in the likely event SMT5 doesn't arrive, I'll just pick an indie game I haven't played yet and talk about that instead. Nice. Uh, next big release for me is probably the Pokemon re- remakes. So uh, I don't know. Um, I'll uh, we'll find out next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of End Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. And make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and The Power of X. And be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. The links are found in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular Patreon. 
Details for both are found on our website. Thank you in advance. This episode was edited by me. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayCritically and read my long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. Andy is at FlameRoastToast, and Tori is at Stew2, that's S-T-W-T-W-O, and she streams on Twitch.tv slash Tori, S-T-W. It is fun. My favourite mem- memory of uh, my wife playing it on Xbox was when it picked up her antique ca- cabinet in the background as an additional player. She was playing single player and then ended up playing against a stationary antique cabinet. <laughs> Connect was <laughs> brilliant, wasn't it? Uh... <laughs>